The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and solely those of the podcast participants, contributors, and guests, and do not constitute an endorsement by or necessarily represent the views of the Hartford or its affiliates. You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by the Hartford. Welcome back to another episode of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. This is Elizabeth Larkin. I'm the editor of smallbizahead.com. And I'm here with our small business expert, uh, Gene Marks. Expert. Do you think I said small business enough in that yeah, intro? Yeah, that was a lot of small business. I just want to make sure people know this is a podcast by and for small business owners. And today we're tackling a very interesting topic. When should you fire one of your clients? This is a good one. And we'll be back with our special guest after the break. This podcast is brought to you by The Hartford. When the unexpected strikes, The Hartford strikes back for over 1 million small business customers. Check out The Hartford Small Business Insurance at thehartford.com. So today on the podcast, we have someone that Full disclosure, I've known for several years. We went to college together at Fordham University in the Bronx. Go Rams. This is Felicia Sullivan. She is a marketing expert, and she's been in business for 20 years. She's built companies. She's built brands. And now she has her own business called Phoebe and Kate that focuses on small business owners. And she wrote an article for us called, When Should I Fire This Client? Welcome, Felicia. Thanks so much for having me. We're very excited to have you here. I thought we were going to talk a little bit more about Phoebe Cates. <laughs> I hear Phoebe and Cates. All I'm thinking about is Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay, so I have... <laughs> Where did the name come from? Does everybody, does everybody get this analogy? This, right? Fast Times and Phoebe well, Cates. Well, Felicia and... and I don't because we're so young. Oh, yeah, sure, exactly. sure. Everybody knows Phoebe Cates from Fast Times. So, Felicia, high. how did you come up with the, with the name Phoebe Do you Cates? know Phoebe Cates? Are you like a friend of hers? Is that like, <laughs> did you provide services for her? Were you in Fast Times at Ridgemont High? I was. I had, you know, I had a guest spot on it. Um, <laughs> I'm a fan of the film, even though I'm 25. And <laughs> I am a fan of the film, but I think the, the reason behind the name is a little bit more hokey. Um, I'm, I've been an author and I'm a reader. And when I was really small, one of my first favorite books was Catcher in the Rye. And I loved the character Phoebe. And then as an adult, my latest book was had a character named Kate. So I put them together, Phoebe and Kate, kind of bookending a childhood and adulthood about storytelling. And, oh. kind of, and I didn't realize until I put the name together that, you know, even in search results that I would get Phoebe Kate search results for my business. <laughs> so I, see, I thought that would happen, which, by the way, she doesn't go by Phoebe Kate's anymore. It's Phoebe Klein because she's I married She's married to Kevin Klein. Okay, so I have a story about Phoebe Cates. Uh, bring it on. Let's Jean hear it. is very excited right I'm very. Now. I was at a crush on her. <laughs> so... I used to work at a company called About.com, mm -hmm. and one of my coworkers, her previous job was as a personal assistant to actors. So one of her first jobs was Kevin Klein. Oh, okay. And after Kevin Klein, she was the personal assistant to Al Pacino, and right. she's got some crazy stories about that. But anyway, yeah. Kevin Klein and Al Pacino are both wonderful. Like, she really liked working for them. But Kevin Klein, of course, is married to Phoebe Cates. Right. 
And the only bit of gossip she gave me about them, she said there really wasn't any. They're like totally normal people. But she said Phoebe Cates is an extremely strict mom. Is she really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You wouldn't think that. Yeah. So clearly she doesn't let her kids watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High. (laughs) She is like all biz with her kids. Cool. Which um, I don't know why. That just makes me like her more. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've already liked her now. I liked her even more than that. Okay. So we're going to jump in and ask Felicia several questions about the process of deciding to fire a terrible client and then actually doing it. So I'm going to dive right in. And Felicia, this question is for you. And then I'm going to ask the same thing of Jean. How do you determine if your client is terrible or just challenging? What's the difference between those two things? And which one of those two would you fire? That's a great question, Elizabeth. I think it comes down to really, honestly, communication and collaboration. Uh, Bad clients don't really respect or have an understanding of the expertise, time, or work ethic. They often say things like, I don't understand why this website can't be made in five minutes, or these changes can't be done in 10 minutes, or why does this cost so much? You know, they really don't take the time and opportunity to understand the level of detail, work, and expertise you bring to the table. Whereas a challenging client will either have a work style that really differs from your own, so you have to find yourself kind of matching their work style, or they have levels of bureaucracy, and we've all dealt with this with big companies where you have to go through layers of management to get anything done, and it's not necessarily a bad thing on their part. It just sort of delays the project. Or finally, you might really encounter someone who... They might have different communication styles, but also they really might be pushing you outside of your comfort zone. Your client may know, based on what you've done previously, your case studies, your expertise, they may set the bar really high for you, which might prove really difficult for you at first, but then you end up doing the best work of your career because you're really challenged. So at the end of the day, it really comes down, again, to those two things, collaboration and communication. You know, a challenging client really does want to work with you. They really do want to connect with you. But there may be obstacles where you have to shape how you work to kind of fit their style. For example, I had a client who where I would send long emails, kind of my own little novel in the email form. And, you know, they weren't a long email person. They wanted three bullets in an email. They're very visual. And I had to reshape my entire style to deliver screencasts where I would would explain uh, through video kind of what I was going through and send really short emails. And, you know, just a few modifications in my style made the working relationship really healthy and satisfying for both parties. And again, it's really about for the challenging client, you know, shaping your style, whereas the terrible client doesn't even respect your style to begin with. Now, Jean, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but I will. Mm-hmm. We talked about, maybe it was a couple months ago, how you had a client who you did the work, you went to her business, you did the work, and then she was surprised that she had to pay you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's not, that usually doesn't happen. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure what that story is. I, I just, um, there are times when we have new clients or we're prospective clients that we haven't gone, you know, into work with where, um, you know, if there's been a few times where if their personalities were really abusive or just whatever, um, you know, where I just felt like our employees are not going to, they would be like in harm's way. Yeah. Um, that I, I said, forget it. We're not going to be dealing with these people. I, but I, one thing that I've realized when I'm dealing with small business owners, cause that's generally who my client base is. 
is that there are a lot of nutsos that are out there. You know, we deal with a lot of crazy people. I'm one of them. And, you know, and different people. I'm so glad you can admit that. Jim. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> very healthy. The thing about people is that um, different people are different. And, and so, you know, we had talked um, about like, oh, if we quote something for 20 hours and somebody like 20 hours, that's crazy. You know, I don't I, you know. I wasn't expecting to be 20 hours. I thought it would only be like five hours. I wouldn't run away from a client like that. I mean, my usual response, because I'm so used to getting stuff like that is to be like, okay, um, no problem at all. We'll come back to you and, and put something together for five hours that, you know, with obviously a lot less services, but if that's what your budget is, that's what it is. So just because somebody like yells and screams or, you know, figuratively about, you know, your rates or whatever, doesn't necessarily mean they were going to be a bad client per se. You know what I mean? I'll do business with anybody really, as long as they're able to, you know, cut a check and send it to us. The other thing I've also learned is that a lot of the clients I've, I've become, I'm just not really good at evaluating people. You know, I meet people that I think are going to be great clients and um, they turn out to be absolute nightmares. So you don't have any like screening questions in the contract process where you can kind of tell they're going to be balking at my rates or. Yeah, I can usually tell um, we just go through and quote what we're going to quote uh, because the job is going to be what it's going to be. And then if somebody comes back to us and they balk at it, um, I don't take it personally at all. I just I just turn around and say, okay, that's fine. Then we'll quote less, but it's just going to be less services. I mean, it's yeah. kind of like I don't know you're buying a car and you ask for all the you know the air conditioning and the you know uh, the sunroof and whatever, and then the salesperson comes up and says, okay, it's going to be you know eighty thousand dollars, you know, and like okay, well I can't afford that. The good salesperson's going to say, well, how about if we sell your version without the sunroof and without you know this? And that's what you do. It's not you know I don't I don't think they're bad clients you know at all. It's yeah. just, you have to just, you have to fit your project to what, you know, what, what best suits them. Just to jump in on that, it's also about education. And I think, Gene, you hit really the nail on the head about that. Like some clients don't understand how long it takes or how, or how much it takes. And I think, right. you know, that explanation in the very beginning, I think, you know, Liz, you mentioned earlier that, you know, do you run screaming if a client kind of balks at your rate? And a lot of times, you know, I do the first step where I kind of explain what you're paying for and the value of what you're paying for. And because we live in a climate where you find people who are bidding, underbidding you on jobs across right. the board. And you kind of have to explain, this is a level of expertise. This is what I can promise you in terms of results. Um, this is my value I bring to the table. This is how long a project's going to take. And if they still kind of balk at the rate, you can, as Jean mentioned, go back and kind of fit the scope. Um, and the work and the deliverable to kind of what their budget and time frame is. So at least you're meeting them halfway. I often find if they're still along the way, even through the education, they're still kind of having a rage blackout over the rates <laughs> and time, et cetera. I kind of feel like, okay, that's when the red flags start going off. Cause you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. You want to say, okay, I've explained it to you. I've given you references. You've seen everything. I've been fully transparent. If you still just want this $10,000 project for $5, you know, that's not going to happen. And then I also, just as a one other quick note, I saw recently an episode which was really powerful in terms of when clients were trying to underbid you and, and the person was going through role play and they were saying, so you are looking for, you know, big growth in your business. You're looking to grow your business by, you know, X million of dollars or X hundred thousands of dollars. You know, like what would happen if you didn't have the services that I brought to the table? And, you know, how would that cost your business? 
And it really put the onus on the business owner to think about, okay, how valuable is this investment in my business? And, you know, is the value that I'm assigning to it? Like if I want to spend a thousand dollars and I want to get out of it, you know, a million dollars in business growth, you know, those numbers seem really out of whack. So it's not like a million for a million, but if you want to have kind of big results, you can't necessarily, you know, have a $5 budget. Yeah. Right. Bear in mind, all this is, um, this is actually all good news. I mean, it's really good to find out before you start your project if the client's a jerk or it's a problem um, <laughs> or they're nickel and diming you early on or whatever, um, because it really does then prepare you um, for whether or not you want to move forward with the project and also how to, how to manage the project. Okay, so let's say you move forward with the project. Yep. And you're working with them. Which, by the way, that happens to me all, usually, all the time. <laughs> all the time I'll be like, I'll say to like the people in my company saying like, this can be, this might be a disaster, but hey, let's give it a shot. <laughs> Here we go. So that happens a lot. That's when you send Corey in. And yeah. Yeah. Just, we'll have to see. This is something you touch on in the article, Felicia, and I'd love to get your perspective on this. So you take on the client. You're working with them. It's not working out. It's actually costing you more money to service them than mm. you're going to make from them. How do you figure out if you can afford to to fire them? Let's say you're a solopreneur and you're just starting out. Like, what what do you do in that situation? You know, I think first and foremost, you really have to kind of evaluate the reality because everyone wants to kind of cut and run, and that's the easiest thing to do. But if you're working with someone and you know their business is driving your income and paying your rent, you really have to think, you know, you have to think strategically about it, right? And you have to look at it as, okay, if this is the only client that I have, and right now they're paying my rent, and the contract has a start and end date, I kind of look at it through the lens of, you know, when you gave notice at your job, or your nine to five, and when you gave your notice, the time between you had to work, and maybe those two weeks, month, et cetera, didn't seem so horrifying because you knew there was an end date in sight. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) To deal with that actually went through that very recently. We could talk about that in a moment with a a client I had to fire recently. And because you make those real realistic choices for yourself and your business. Right. But if you're not in a situation where you only have one client, you have a few clients and you can kind of take, you know, the revenue hit because ultimately you don't want to have a client where they take up so much of your time and energy that it actually takes you away or makes you do bad work for your other clients, you know, that's a hit on your reputation regardless. So, you know, I look at that as a way in which I can evaluate when I can fire a client. And, you know, ultimately I'll do one of two things. I'll make an attempt to kind of raise my rates uh, in contrast to, let's say, the round of revisions or the time that took beyond our contracts. We have a lot of scope creep that happens. You can do that as like a first step. Or, you know, we can, t- and we'll talk about the scripts in a moment, or you can offer um, a transition period where you resign the client. You know, you do this, like a set part of the agreed upon work, and then you find a replacement to kind of come in and finish the work. Because ultimately, it's your brand that's being affected. So you don't want to do anything that's completely you know, leave the client in a pinch. Um, You want to do something that's ethical on both sides because at the end of the day, it's your reputation that's kind of on hanging on the balance. So it's really, you know, riding that balance between, you know, making sure that you have enough money coming in to kind of pay your bills, which is the reality of a lot of our situations and seeing that end date in sight. And then maybe thinking about, okay, how are ways in which I can transition out of the situation 
that serves me well, while although it may be uncomfortable and the client may have an initial rage blackout, you'll often find, and I've actually found the situation when time has passed, they realize, okay, maybe this was the best decision for us to part, even though at the time it got heated and it wasn't. It's making those decisions and how you react to those and manage those decisions that I think is really important for your business. Yeah, I would say that if you are deciding, like, I can't, I cannot work with this client anymore, they'll, and they might be upset at, at first. After a while, they'll realize that, like any relationship, like that relationship wasn't really working for me either. So it's good that, that, exactly. that they backed out first. So what are your ground rules for firing a terrible client? I try, even I try to be, put on my objective hat and I try to think, okay, how would I want to be treated if someone was firing me, right? And I've had that happen when I was in, the, the, in, in an agency where clients had to kind of fire the agency. And I think ultimately, it, you, you deserve to tell your client in person um, or a way in which you can meet face-to-face, especially if you have a small business and a lot of it is relationship-based. And that's how you kind of start a relationship you met face-to-face and kind of negotiated what you want to do. I think you deserve to do that either um, if you can't meet, meet, meet face-to-face, have a Skype call or a video call where you can kind of have it out with your client in a way that's really respectful. And I think it's also, this isn't a time also to kind of play the blame game and, you know, have an argument. I often think, you know, don't make it personal. Make it about the business. Make it about the relationship. And throughout the whole time, be calm and professional. I, I often, the greatest lesson that I learned in business is, when someone's yelling and having a rage blackout, my tone is calm, neutral. My body language is really calm. And that is actually in your brain. And studies have shown this is actually a trigger that makes them aware of how loud and ridiculous they sound. <laughs> so, so unless you're really like a sociopath or a narcissist, <laughs> um, when someone's kind of responding to what you're saying in a really calm and controlled manner and they're being really respectful, um, the other part of their voice will come down, their anger will come down. And at the end of the day, you just want to be professional about the situation. And so I think, again, it's about seeing them in person, you know, making it about the business and, you know, why you guys aren't a fit as it relates to what you're offering and what you plan to deliver and the result that's coming out of it and being calm and professional throughout the whole thing. And I think that also sets a tone for your brand. I always say this. I always say that every single thing that you do is a reflection of your reputation, right? So it's how you handle the situation, whether you kind of going in, going into the job and then coming out of it. It's always handling it with grace and then not leaving them in the lurch. You know, you're letting them know, okay, our relationship's coming to an end, but I'm not going to leave you stranded. You know, here are the next steps and here's the timeline that I see happening for us where the client has an expectation of what's having next, what's going to happen next, but they also have an expectation of what they'll get in a time frame and also, you know, how they'll be solved for a replacement. So it's not just, you know, you get on the phone or you send them an email and you're like, it's over, I hate you, goodbye, et cetera, you know, see you later. It's more like, okay, this didn't work out. It's a business decision. Here's a timeline for what's going to happen next. And hey, I can help you find a replacement. Not that you haven't wanted to send that I hate you <laughs> goodbye email. Crack <laughs> them and then just don't send them. <laughs> Can you give us an example? Um, I, I don't know if this is too personal for you to share, but Not we we love to. You're like, no, I love to tell you about this of when you fired a client and ha- what what made you make that decision. Uh, you know, I think to what Jean said earlier. 
it's really rare when you fire a client because ultimately you want to do everything you can to make the relationship work, right? Because it's just so painful to do it. And it's a hit to your business in terms of revenue and just really kind of disrupts your whole team. So you really want to think about this and not kind of make any rash decisions. But I had a client actually very recently, he had brought me on for a project that wasn't his own company and we worked like wonderfully together. And so I thought, oh, smooth sailing. And, you know, he brought me on to work on a project with a company that was his own now. And I've learned when the stakes are higher, when it's your business and your money, a little, your attitude may shift uh, <laughs> as opposed to when you're kind of working for somebody else. Oh, right? yeah. And <laughs> which was significant. And he had a partner and the partner I worked really well with, reasonable, smart, helpful, et cetera. And, you know, over a period, of, I want to say four months. Um, I started to notice significant changes in working style that were not something that I could adjust for because I tried doing that, as I mentioned earlier. I tried to kind of match his style of working so it was a little bit more accommodating. But uh, the relationship became more passive-aggressive, abusive, you know, all those things that you don't want from a client that kind of just makes the work harder. And you and you guys know this. Like, if someone's, like, screaming at you on a daily basis, you're not going to deliver your best work because you're under duress, like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely not. And ultimately, it's not productive for them. They're not getting what they paid for because they're crazy, and <laughs> they've had a rage blackout, and, you know, you've delivered subpar work as a result. You know, we try different stages of using this other partner as kind of an intermediary to kind of re- temporarily resolve the situation. Through, You know, here's a different work style that we'll try that might kind of resolve for it. And, you know, when you make all those, like, I, I like to do the a three attempt rule. If, if it doesn't work out after three tries, then you kind of think, okay, maybe it's time to fire. And, you know, I was honestly really direct about it. You know, like I have in the article three scripts and I've actually, I use script three, the you've had enough script because I was like, <laughs> I'm just nonsense. And I mean, you know, I, I composed the middle of the night email of like, I hate you, you're so horrible. And then of course I deleted it. Yeah. And, you know, I took a breath and I said, okay, I have to treat this person with the respect that I would want to be treated with. And so I took a step back and I said, I evaluated the relationship. I said, hey, I really like working with you. Um, You know, I've given this a lot of thought. And I think the best thing for our partnership is that, you know, we part ways because, you know, we're finding out that we're not a match. And I know that there's probably another partner for you that can make, you know, the whole project and process a lot easier. And you can get the kind of results that you want and you deserve with another partner. And uh, to be honest, that process went a lot easier than I thought it would. That's um, great. Yeah, he was super respectful. You know, he, he initially kind of had a rage blackout response. And then, um, you know, we had a conversation after and he saw like, because it was a video. And I think, again, like doing this via email is horrible because you can't tell tone. Or you can't tell anything. Body language. But, yeah. Like we did it through Skype and we had a, he and I had a one on one. And he saw how much respect I had for him, for the project, for his business. And he saw that this was a really difficult decision I had to make. And we both like had mutual respect for one another. We just, it wasn't working out. If someone's being abusive, though, that's a good reason to fire them. I mean, no amount of raising the rates is really worth your mental health. I bumped up my rates for a period of time and they kind of met those rates because I was really important to them. And, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, why we weren't weren't working well together. And it ultimately ended up where he really understood. I gave that transition period 
Um, I actually gave a month transition period and I found them a replacement. And, you know, in the end, my reputation is intact. And he even gave me a referral. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) I mean, how often do you fire a client and you get a referral? (laughs) Never happens to me. (laughs) So, Gene, in your business, I mean, you're actually sending your employees out to other businesses. It never ends as well as Felicia's story ended for some reason. We never come out looking that good. Uh, I keep Um, on horrible stories. Yeah, it's never... um, um, There's been a few situations where clients have been abusive, both verbally and physically. Um, you know, like, well, oh not gosh. like just, just aggressive, you know, and, and you know, and I've, I've had a, a, a handful of situations where people have called me from a client and said like, this guy is like, is starting to, and you're like, me. get out of there. I'm like, get out. And yeah. then, and then there, there's not even like a conversation saying, thanks, John, we're moving on. You know, I, I just move on. Like there's yeah. no, there's no excuse for that. Um, every other situation for client is being difficult about, for any one of a million different reasons. Different people have different personalities. There's 10 of us in the company. Um, you know, at any given stage, I mean, right now, as we sit here, I have many, many clients that re- literally, and I am not kidding, do not like me. You know, they don't <laughs> like me. They've said to other people, they've said to my employees, I don't like this guy. He's a jerk. And yet, th- but they like other people in my company. Yeah. So they work with other people in my company. Yeah. Um, and the other way is right. I have some clients that like love me and that's great. And, you know, they prefer me to, to work with me over other people. And that's fine. So a lot of times it's like personality things. Now, you know, you walk into a room, you meet somebody, you, you haven't even like, don't even know this person and you just feel like I want to just I just I want to hit this guy in the face and you don't even know why but you feel and everybody has those you know those people you bump into so you can't sometimes you can't avoid it and if you at least have uh, the resources to apply where you can substitute one person for another that's worked for me on a number of occasions rather than losing the client so you're coming at this from you have 600 clients and you're a 10 person right company so we're out there performing services and everybody has people assigned to them yeah Right. And if you but if you're a smaller business like Felicia is a one woman show right. and she does not I'm guessing have 600 clients. It's <laughs> if, if you're not getting along with somebody and you don't like them and they don't like you and whatever, it's just not happening. You yeah. you, you got to move on. Life is too short. Um having said that, um and I said that earlier, I mean, I'm I'm definitely um I, I can't use the words I want to use because this is a Hartford podcast, but let's just say I'll pretty much do business with anybody <laughs> if the price is right and we're not being like in physical threat. Yeah, if they're so, abusing your employees. Yeah, then. I mean, okay, forget about that. But if the guy's just a jerk or is a pain to work with, but he's willing to pay twice what my rate is or more than that, sure, I'll, you know, happy to do business, you know, with that person. And that's happened as well. That happens a lot. Well, people will ask us to do stuff and I will quote them a much higher rate um, than I would be quoting other people. And if they accept it, I'm like, cool, you know, and and by the way, my employees, if I know they're more difficult, they share in that higher rate. I just want want you to know that as well. So um, they know this guy's an extra, an extra jerk. So there'll be an extra amount of money. <laughs> the jerk as part of the, Yeah, it's like a jerk fee. So Felicia, walk us through your three scripts that you detailed sure. in the article. Sure. So I have like three scripts where you can kind of ease the pain of firing your client. And again, not making it about them, even though it's completely about them. <laughs> uh, but I also like, I did like, just to quickly jump back to what Jean said, I really liked um, the kind of, okay, maybe we don't work out one-to-one, but I have someone else on my team that is more your speed. I've actually done that when I was in an agency environment where, you know, I was the most senior person on the team and I did not work well with a client, but someone else on my team did. And you kind of take one for the team um, in, in thinking about the bigger picture of your business and your revenue. So 
I, I love that idea. If you have at least one, like at least more than two people on your team thinking about ways in which you can kind of move resources around, I think it's a smart idea before even thinking about firing them. But if you are going to kind of cut them out of your life completely because, you know, you want, you know, emotional and psychological um, health for yourself. <laughs> you know, I have three scripts. One is the shifting focus. The shifting focus scenario is letting someone know that the kind of work that you're doing will no longer be the kind of work you'll be doing moving forward, right? So let's say, for example, um, actually, I made this change in my business where I won't, I no longer work for, you know, large corporations um, because of the bureaucracy and the nonsense involved. Um, and I have... What? I've never made, heard of that. <laughs> never. I've made a material decision to work with smaller businesses and entrepreneurs, um, specifically women or women of color. Um, I made that big change in my business. So I told recently, well, six months ago, I told one of my very, very big clients that, um, hey, I'm shifting gears. I'm working with you know smaller businesses because I really want to get deeply involved in their business and make feel like what I'm doing, I see immediate results. And then you let them know, like anything else, you know, how, what the time frame of that is. Every single one of these scripts, you know, addresses the time frame because again, whether it's like a breach of your contract or just like an ethical no-no, you just don't want to leave people in the high and dry in the middle of something. So I always kind of give them an out, uh, a replacement or a time frame for what I can deliver within a specific period of time. The second script is what I love. It's um, what kind of what Jean mentioned. Uh, I don't know how how candid I can be on this podcast, but I call it the blank hole tax. <laughs> where we call I it mean, we call it the jerk fee. The, oh, I love that. I might I might use that. I might steal that. Okay. Uh, where I may double or triple my rates, and I may say something to the effect of, you know, how my business has grown or shifted. Uh, I may account for the increased amount of work, i.e., scope creep, and I may say something to the fact, hey, it's been really great working with you. Um, I'm glad you chose us. You know, I talk about the things that we've done so they can see the results because everyone's really focused on the results. And you say, hey, I took a step back. I looked at my pricing and I've decided based on kind of what my client mix looks like, looks like right now and what my time is. You know, this is my new rate structure. And it's really meant, quite honestly, to price them out. So you do double or kind of triple your rates and nine times out of ten they can't afford it and they kind of keep going on. And then the third script, which I talked about just before, is the one I've recently employed in terms of you just had enough. <laughs> uh, really meant to address that you're crazy. I can't deal with this anymore. But I'm going to do it in a really respectful way where <laughs> I look good coming out of this. But Again, you really, it, with all of these scripts, you really open with something positive uh, in terms of, because you, you were happy to kind of get the work, especially if you're just starting out, right? You are happy with the opportunity. You were, I mean, who isn't excited when they get their first client, when they open up a small shop or their first customer? You always remember that first, right? And so you give that kind of first and the partnership the respect that it deserves. Um, and then you kind of address the reality of the, the situation, not making it personal. You just kind of say, hey, I've noticed over X amount of time frame that we've had some issues and how we work together. And I'm thinking, you know, for the sake of your business, because you have to kind of make it about them, um, that we're not the best fit. And I think you can get better results from having a different partner with a different work style. And so, you know, I can help you, you know, find that partner and I can make sure that within a certain time frame we can get X, Y, Z done. So again, in all those scenarios, you're really giving respect 
to them as a business because they really, you know, they, 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 regardless of what has happened, you always want to come out like the better man of it, right? And then you always want to make sure that whether it's a contractual obligation or just, you know, being a decent person that you just don't leave them high and dry. Unless, to Gene's point, unless, you know, they're throwing punches at you, then you kind of want to run for the hills. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, you just ghost them. <laughs> <laughs> but That's if it's the Gene Mark's way. That's right. <laughs> you know, beating you in the face. Yeah. You want to kind of try those three scripts. Felicia, this was so helpful. I think a lot of small business owners face this and they're not really sure what to do. Can you tell us just a little bit about the services you offer at Phoebe and Kate? And st- because we, we get a lot of marketing questions and a lot of branding questions on this podcast. Tell us what you do for <laughs> your clients. Oh, awesome. So, you know, for the past, oh gosh, I'm aging myself here. Uh, the past 20 years, you know, since I was five, um, I've been offering, <laughs> I've been offering uh, marketing and branding services to companies. So what does that mean? So basically a company will come to me and say, hey, um, I don't know how to talk to my customers. I don't know who my customer is. I don't know how to grow my business. I don't know how to use social media or email. I kind of go in and in a really thoughtful way, looking at their budget, looking at what they're trying to achieve. You know, I help put together a plan that helps them define how they're different from their competitors, you know, how they should talk to their customers, who their customers are, and how they can grow their business. So I've been doing that for about 20 years for, you know, really big companies like Verizon and Mattel and, you know, super fancy companies. And I did it on the agency side. And now I kind of took a step back and said, you know what, I want to use all that experience that I've had and use that for, smaller businesses or startup companies where you see so much cool stuff happening at a local level, you know, people building jobs and you think to yourself, wow, I really want to help those companies grow in the way that I've helped, you know, these mass corporations grow. And so that's what I do on a daily basis. Uh, And I've, I've, over the past five years, you know, knock on wood, I'm still afloat. So I think I'm doing something right. Great. So specifically that's, branding, social media, uh, email marketing, you're kind of the Jill of all trades on that? Pretty much. I mean, if you come to me and say, hey, I don't know how to talk about my business. I don't know who my customers are. And I don't know how to grow my business. I come in and, and help you find a solution. So you do all the research for people? Pretty much. Okay, Pretty great. Much. So we're going to put a link in the show notes to Felicia's email list with her permission, because I am a reader and I've gotten so many great tips from it. I send so many freebies out. I send out uh, kind of on a biweekly basis. I send out like worksheets, tutorials. Um, I ultimately want to give people education so they can kind of do it on their own and they bring me in if they kind of want to take it to the next level. That's great. Okay. Felicia, thank you so much for joining us. That was great, Felicia. Thank this you. This is awesome. Thank you, guys. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining Elizabeth and Jean for another edition of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. For the latest on small business trends straight from the small business experts, visit the Hartford Small Biz Ahead. We've got articles, how-tos, and videos to help you run your business more efficiently. Check us out at smallbizahead.com. 